Absolutely. All right, everybody, Michael McGinnis here with The Ripple Effect. Hey, we are great, great opportunity to have a guest speaker today, Krista Gorman. And she's gonna help to acquaint us with really the whole concept of death and what's next. And, oh, wait a sec, something coming through. Wait, I just, oh, darn it, she what? She died, guys. She died. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Oh, just wow. Well, all right. So, what are we, what can we be prepared to talk about? Wait, just a second. There's something through. Oh, okay. no. Wait a second. She's back. What? <laughs> she had a what? Near, near Garth experience? No, no, no. Near death experience. Near oh, okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, here we go. You know those near-death experiences. You know what you have to put up with. They're just dying to be here. So, Krista, <laughs> come on, show your face. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we are so glad you're back. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, so am I. And to see all your faces right off the bat. Oh, oh, that might want to send you back. <laughs> At least mine. <laughs> Do you ever long to be back in the light? <laughs> Not with how we look, at least with the bad jokes. I love it. Uh, I love it all. <laughs> so today, having Krista here, we're going to really be talking a little bit more advanced topics, near-death experience, right? This is today it's so fortunate. You can go to YouTube today and type in near-death experience and just see the plethora of people that have gone through this and get acquaintance with the uh, wide variety of individuals, people's experiences, all with some common denominators, some with uniquenesses, but nevertheless, some, some real core uh, beliefs and attitude and things changes here. So today we're really just going to drift into a campfire-like conversation with Krista. She's going to start by sharing a little bit about, you know, just what started the experience, some of the things that she sort of witnessed herself in a particle format from what I was just gathering, uh, you know, and then we'll just launch into a question and answer kind of format and discussion on really, okay, so what? Had the near-death experience, now what? You know, what are some of the real implications of that for you in your life? And I know I have a burning question. I'd love to ask somebody who had a near-death experience, but let's go from there. So without further ado, Krista? Yeah. Okay. So my circumstances were that I was in labor with my daughter and I suffered a cardiorespiratory arrest during labor. So um, during that period of time, I, I stopped breathing and then my heart stopped beating. Um, and I, the first thing I realized was that I could see um, something below. I didn't have any name for it. It was my body, but I didn't have any earthly identification to say that what it was. Um, I didn't remember I was a human being. I didn't have any knowledge of being here. Um, but I was still Krista. I was still, I was still me, um, my consciousness, but without all of the earthly attachments to reference myself to. Um, and I watched as uh, the body below and I watched these black particles come racing up to where my vision was. And they I sort of hung there in a static kind of cloud and um, very detached, very sort of neutral feeling. Um, I had a, a feeling of interest, of um, curiosity um, about what was going on. But um, ultimately, I was, I left that room, I was actually pulled, tugged, encouraged to leave. And I, I um, agreed to go. And at that point, I started to move very, very, very fast through the wall and through a bright white space. And then I was into another space where I was reabsorbed into the part, same particles I was but very, very dense and still moving imperceptibly fast. And in that space, there was this um, expansiveness, like it could go on infinite, I could go on infinitely, but at the same time, I was a very, very, you know, like one single dot, um, very condensed. And then uh, uh, I stopped uh, moving and I had this download and the download was sort of like, it was like a funnel of information and it all boiled down to one point and that was love. And it was all the questions I'd ever had in my life, explanation for this or that or, or the other thing. And it was all always, always went back to love. And um, 
and yeah, so the, the, the particulate, I was this particulate matter in my near death experience. And, and I was in for, I was energy and I was my consciousness. And there were the events of my near death experience. I've, you know, it's been 20 years, um, almost 21 years since it happened. And I've had a lot of, of time here to reflect on it and to grow as a, as a human being in this body and, um, and learn from it and explore. Um, and so it's, it's meant over the years, it's, it's meant more and more to me. Um, and, and right now I'm, I'm understanding more the, the part, particle part of who I was, this sort of almost tangible thing. Um, and I'm exploring the ideas of energy, dark matter, dark energy. Um, there's also what comes in is that my intentions in my near-death experience were met with, with the universe sort of source, sort of meeting me where I was and helping me along. But it, it was also introducing things for me to learn from. So there's the idea of law of attraction. There's this, this law that exists that we can't see or touch, but it existed in my near-death experience. So like, you know, I, I, I'm still exploring all of that. And, um, and it's really, it's really exciting. Based on what, uh, what I know under what I understand from our friend, Tom Sawyer, that motion, that moment where you, uh, went faster and faster, you know, through a white space and you, the massive expansiveness and the single dot at the same time. Um, I, I would take a stab, see if it's appropriate that your, your conscious, your awareness, your consciousness, ex that was a, uh, let's say, and the image of your, of the expansion of your mind. This is the, Im the imagery that you're telling us mm -hmm. indicates to me uh, possibly the expansion of your mind at that point. The, the, the speed, Tom often talked about mm -hmm. the, going the speed of light or conceivably faster mm -hmm. and then arriving at this place that beyond that notion, mm -hmm. beyond that realm, you'll, you'll come to that, uh, that great understanding and that great love. Like the one mind, like yes. being, being in the one mind. Yeah. 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 And the, you know, the brain, the idea, my, my own understanding again is evolving and, and I come from a science scientific kind of background, you know, yeah. um, even inside, I got my degree in psychology and my bachelor's of science. And I, I, I didn't, I could have gotten my BA, but I didn't want to learn a language. I wanted right. to learn the science. So I came from a, from that place and then going on to PA school and learning the science there and being science, scientifically oriented, um, while at the same time having this spiritual aspect of myself, I find that my, my definition of what the mind is um, has drastically changed um, over the years. And my experience in my death of being of the one mind, um, we, we like to, we, we, use the words to describe something that's indescribable with human words. Right. So, so to say, you know, the mind as we, the thinking mind is sort of a secondary organ. It's, right. it's the receiver of the, the greater mm, aware consciousness information, which is in pure energetic form that we cannot visualize with our eyes. And it's sort of a conduit where, and, it, and this is being discussed a little bit in, in this book I'm reading, um, Molecules of Emotion, where the actual physical, you know, proteins in our body make up these, these other proteins that then carry the information to the receptors in the various parts of the body. And they have an interaction there, an exchange of information. Right. So this, this physical, you know, 10 pound or however much it weighs, mine isn't quite that much, I don't think, but it, 
it's the it's just the the filter for the information the attaching yeah. point and then it filters through the body yeah so but the the one great consciousness well that's the mystery still yeah right now, i was thinking in the terms of not the brain but the you know mine would be the, the full 10 pounds because of the rocks but the <laughs> <laughs> but the but uh the, the the greater meaning of the word mind yeah the, the, the part of you that's that's more energetic than physical absolutely and, for me that was my experience yeah okay and, the, and it's that part having come from this lifetime in physicality expanding to uh to take on to be a to be able to be a part of or take its its natural place in oh the i love that scene. yes That's it's a natural place mm -hmm. okay good yeah yeah you really touched on it there oh thanks yeah every once in a while the rocks get in line you know? <laughs> well, at least you have rocks that's that's where it counts so uh, yeah in fact related to that um question because i definitely want to come back to consciousness and i know from myself i've been thrown lately with uh reading about the topic writing about it machio cuckoo i think is his Haku. yes you know this has been you know, a great resource for me just to see him sort of just blowing his mind out with all of these uh, concepts that really make a lot of sense. And I'd love to hear your recent interpretations and what you're learning from it. But I want to sort of go back to uh, the coming back from the, the near-death experience for me. Um, you know, I've had my own experience. I think Tom categorized it to me. Would you call it Tom NDE for dummies? <laughs> that was my experience. I had one of those. <laughs> oh, you just went to one of those. <laughs> but in any cases, you know, um, it's a story in itself, but the, uh, you know, the effect of it was, was this enthralled, just seeing experience life in a whole nother dimension. Um, but beyond, but then it started to, as I, what's the saying it goes is, is that, before enlightenment, chop the wood and carry the water. After enlightenment, chop the wood and carry the water. Right? You know, it's a, it's that the full circle of sort of coming back despite all of this enlightenment, realizing you've got to come back. And I know I went through a long period of sort of depression from this. I just wanted to go back and live in that space. And you know, I've heard from a couple of near-death experiencers that had talked about the re-entry. Coming back was a period that could last for years that was often portrayed with depression. Did you have sort of a re-entry effect from it? And what was that like? Oh, wow, yeah, big time. Um, well, it rocked my world. Um, I had just graduated from my PA program three weeks before I had my daughter. So I, and I was, I knew every nuance of, of the science that they taught us. And I, because I wanted, I wanted to help my patients. I wanted to know everything. So I studied very hard and I, and I worked really hard. And when I came back, I knew nothing. I had no recall that I had gone to PA school. Um, I didn't recall the information. And that was, the, that was very purposeful um, because I was, I was meant to sort of erase that part of, of who I was in a way so that I could focus on what my now sort of uh, t job or task or mission or whatever endeavor should be or would be here, which is to share the love, um, to be that love and to share the love. Well, I didn't know how to be that love in this world. I didn't feel supported. Um, we live as, you know, I'm sure you guys would agree that we live in a world which is, is ego-based, fear-based um, and, and masculine. Um, and how we conduct ourselves in general. And so as a female energy, this, um, this love energy coming back into my old physical body, into my old life with the same people around me, all expecting me to be who I was when I'm not any longer um, was really challenging. So it's, I took 
um, 10 years of just sort of trying to plot along and live as I thought I, as I thought I could with having this experience in my life and, and still maintaining my old life and moving on with the hopes and dreams and aspirations that my ex now ex-husband and I shared together at the time. Um, but you know, there comes a breaking point and it's, it's really about being in general for all, and it happens for all, for many of us. And, and we all have it is, is whether we recognize it or not, is that living as our true selves, um, in this, in this life can be a real challenge. And some of us never, never do. Um, and those of us who, who do, who can, and who do experience a tremendous amount of joy and freedom. So, and I knew that joy and freedom, I had experienced it already in, the, in my near death. So I wanted to bring that into my life and live it. So yeah, it took, it's taken, I mean, it's 20, almost 21 years and I'm, I'm, um, I'm doing pretty good. But <laughs> and living my truth. I have a question yeah. about your daughter. I mean, you were giving birth. What was going on with your daughter? I mean, and you in that relationship, because I mean, you were a different person having a, yeah. having a child. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, I was, it was a medical emergency. It was, um, uh, I had an amniotic fluid embolism, which, what happened was um, my daughter, I was in labor um, and my daughter's heart rate just dropped to about 60 on the monitor. And I knew as a, as a practitioner that when, if that happens one time when a woman's in labor, you do a C-section because that could mean the baby's in distress and it can happen again and that you can lose the baby. Um, so right away, I knew that they were going to do a C-section and they came in, they, they, you put an internal monitor on the, on the infant um, and, and it's, it's barbaric. You screw it into the scalp. They say the, that the baby can't feel it, but that's not true. Um, Maggie, I think, uh, reflexed when she felt that and she kicked really hard and she kicked amniotic fluid into my bloodstream. So the body sees it as foreign, attacks it with, you know, or surrounds it with these, these cells to get rid of it. They form clots and, the, and it, this is all happening like instantaneously travel back to the lungs, they block off all the blood, the veins and the periphery of the lungs, and then more proximal to the point where you're not perfusing any oxygen now and your heart can't get any oxygen to pump. So the heart starts going into a, a ventricular fibrillation, which is nope. not sustainable for life. So that's what I started to feel right away was this palpitation that and then short of breath. And then I just went out. So that was the situation there when they they got me in they wheeled me literally across the hallway and in, in labor and delivery into the or called a code blue my ob was literally in the building next door he dropped everything he heard it crossed crossed a breezeway and was right there and all these other physicians that were there responded and they delivered maggie by emergency c-section well she had a heart rate of 60 at the time and that was it she was blue. She was flaccid. She wasn't breathing. Um, so she, she had, had a near death too. I believe she did. Um, it's very, there's been some indications to me that maybe, you know, something happened to her and one day she might want to explore it. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah. yeah, I would think you would have, you know, some, some interesting it's a, it's an interesting dynamic to have a near death with another person. Yes. In a, in a sense, you know, I'm, especially I'm, the connection between mother and daughter. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and when they handed her to me, it was six days later and they handed her to me for the first time and I held her and it, it, we had, this wasn't the first time we were meeting and <laughs> I was very, my face didn't reflect the internal, my internal environment where I was, I was very much at peace. Um, and I was, I had the assumption that, you know, everything was through feeling in my near death experience, all the communication that occurred during my experience was all through feeling. So I felt in myself that everyone else around me could feel me, could feel what I was feeling and knew. So I was feeling this, this like, reconnection 
with Maggie, like, oh, it's so good to see you again. You know, like kind of like I'm holding you. Oh, this is true. Like, and then I thought I could, I could almost feel everybody around me, like being concerned because I wasn't showing any emotion. So I, I thought, well, I should do the things that, that they usually do. So I counted her toes. <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, I should count her toes and make sure she has all of them and like hold her hand and like do all those little things. But in the meantime, like it almost felt like she and I were having this whole conversation. <laughs> well, that's fasc fascinating it's because you, you must have, I mean, you didn't obviously didn't have a uh, simultaneous, you weren't communicating together during that. Right. It doesn't sound like, but you were going through a, a symmetrical, symmetrical experience in some sense or another. Yeah. And it would be interesting for you to, to, if she were able to share that or had a recognition of that. Yeah. That's fascinating to me because yeah. we are all one. Yeah. And so, you know, just as we're sitting here, the five of us, we all went through that experience in some regard because mm -hmm. we are interconnected. So, I mean, that's the one thing we've been doing in our, our little group here is sharing experiences. And it's almost like, have a reunion of the self, you know, bringing bringing the different parts together and, and sharing our stories, and and we're growing. Yeah. You know, parts of we're individually growing as well as collectively. Right, right, and the the just the whole as in a human form, the experience of compassion. Compassion is the the physical manifestation of the understanding and knowing that we are one. You know, yeah. you have heroic acts of compassion where strangers will sacrifice their life to save somebody. You know, that's just like the, the nth degree of displaying the fact, yeah, you and I are one. Yeah. I have a question also. Uh, you mentioned seeing. And I've often wondered uh, how it is that a, a being sees without physical eyes. Yeah. Is that a visual experience? It you was described it pretty visually. It was a, a purely visual experience. Like I, I, I like to say that I had two senses during my experience. One was sight, and one was feeling. So feeling is is like the sixth sense or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. the seventh sense maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, the, the experience of being a, um, of emotions manifesting in that realm was profound. And I didn't recognize that for, for many years and I'm still exploring it, you know, and again, I, I'm trying, I'm tying it to heart, to science, the research that's been done behind the expression of emotions physically in the body through mm -hmm. these peptides, through these ligands and receptors and um, from different parts of emanating from different parts of the brain and different organs in the body. So we have other ways of seeing other than actually physically seeing other than the eyeballs. Yeah, well, intuition is a form of it's an it's an emotional vision, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm you know, intuition. Intuition is deeply rooted in that, in the we, and, and the, the we are one. Yeah. I remember uh, Tom, our buddy Tom, telling a story about a, a, a woman who was blind from birth, having an NDE in which she could see, and then came back to her blind body. And he said, that was just a dirty trick. <laughs> They should have, after letting her see, they should give her sight. They should give her sight. Yeah, she should win that in the whole deal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. As, as some people have said, as Tom had said, first, Tom's the first one I heard say it, and I've heard others uh, say it afterward. He could see in 360 degree spherical vision. You could see up, down, each side behind and front all at the same time was that does yeah. that match your experience no not not in my experience um okay. i had an awareness of everything 
but I didn't have the sight. I I had the sight, like I, I suppose even less than I had have now because I don't recall much periphery, much peripheral vision. I because I remember I actually like turned and directed my attention to yeah. to what it was that I chose to give it to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so but, zoom ahead and now you are you now. And you'd mentioned uh, beforehand you're, you're still actively finding different areas of your own growth things. I love how you're referencing science to me. That's that's I'm spending a lot of time because it's almost spiritual, spiritual for me in the conversations that I'm hearing. You know, that they, they really are seemingly talking about things I've heard from near-death experiencers, et cetera. But what are some, what's some, uh, uh, number one, I'd love to know what's like the gift, gift yeah. was there a gift that some people get when they come back that, that you have and how do you use it? And number two, what, what are some of the focuses now for you? You've gone through this incredible experience, you have this understanding, what do you focus on now? Um, as far as the gifts go, my intuition is is like like through the roof, and I feel like I can predict the future um, in gross terms. Um, I don't flaunt that at all. It's just I stuff that maybe will come up in conversation with my husband mainly, uh, maybe a little bit with other people, my colleagues, but. Um, I sort of see the writing on the wall and, and, um, and it's, you know, in my, in how I, how I am, um, I see things neither as good nor bad, just mm -hmm. as they are. And that, um, I intend then for love, um, in the world and for myself. So I just intend for the greatest good for everyone all the time. And that's powerful, the power of intention. In just in one individual so, so there's change and in, in, involved in that as well i would yeah. assume if you're loving that there's a potential for the changing of what you think you what you see yeah as the projection well yes and and that's a really great point and that's something that that helped me early on when i started to really allow my near-death experience to manifest in in me now and who i am in my life and that was about 10 years in um, and I started to meditate and, uh, and I created, I needed, I needed, uh, a, sort of, a an outline, like a blueprint to live my life. Um, I needed some, some things to, to focus on, to be so that I could help. It would help me feel better and it would help improve my life. And I knew that once I did that, that my life would improve inevitably. So the just the the sort of switch in my own body's energy my focus things started to change around me and i observed it and people um responded to me differently um and i wouldn't even have to be in the same room with them i could be on the phone you know i was working in the emergency room and i talked to a lot of physicians about patients that they didn't want to have to get out of bed and come into the hospital to see and they would not be very nice on the phone often um, in the beginning. When I shifted my, my own energy and my focus was on, uh, was on you know, the best outcome, positivity, what have you, those interactions became so easy. Like, it was like night and day. And I marveled at this because and people would, my colleagues would say to me, you just, you, you just seem so like everything's so easy. Why don't, why don't they give you a hard time? They always give me a hard time. Like, it's just a, it's just a difference in how we are. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> they like me better than you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they feel me. They can feel me. They don't know it, but they're feeling yeah. me and they're responding right. to me because they're seeing themselves in me and they're settling into that in that moment. Are they, are they 
experiencing the love coming from you. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it it it's quantum. It travels. It's right. Doesn't it? It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, there's no barriers to it. Your love is integrating with them. Yeah, and, and therefore yep. they they feel better, literally. Yes, because mm -hmm. you are part of who they are, and you're in a positive frame. So that that coming together of those particles creates it's it's a, a bomb for them. Or yes, a I love that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even know it. Right. <laughs> and at the time, I didn't even know it. I didn't realize what was right. happening. Someone told the story uh, about our buddy Tom, who uh, was at a talk one time with a journalist who was there that was taking exception to everything. You know, a, a remarkably skeptic woman and just dead on physical universe, that's it, boom, 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 boom. And other people were trying to talk to her and they get nowhere. And Tom talks to her and and his comment was, when she, and everybody says, you should have seen the change in her in, in that conversation. And Tom says, when she got out to her car, she had to step down to get in, get down off of cloud nine to get into her car. <laughs> And I'd seen that happen so many times with Tom and with someone he's talking to. They mm. just get that far away look like they're being carried off somewhere. And I could tell he's doing his thing, you know, yeah. and it's it's sharing sharing the love in inside him. That's such a that's such a cliche. But it but, is. Yeah. It is, it's, and it's him, and it's that person recognizing that yeah. love, remembering, they're yeah. remembering who they are. At a very deep level, right? At a right. very deep very level. Very deep level, yeah. And that's transformational, that's healing. Yeah. yeah. That is so healing. Yeah. That's, uh, Tom ended up uh, being a champion of the phrase, attitude changes everything. Mm-hmm. So what you were just talking about and our, our Tom here was talking about is you get a, uh, a generalized pick. You see the writing on the wall, what's coming, mm -hmm. but how, the attitude that you attend to it with can mm -hmm. be a balm on the, the worst of it. It can mm -hmm. be a balm on it. Right, right. Yeah. And my attitude towards it helps shape it. You know, yeah. the attention I give it whatever attention I choose to give it helps to shape it further. And we were talking right. last, I think last week about recept, maybe last or a week or so ago about receptiveness to, to that healing. Uh, what was, what's been your experience with whether or not it matters if the other person is receptive? That's a really good question because I've been taught um, I took a course in integrative quantum medicine that the, the person doesn't necessarily even have to um, know that you're, what you're doing. But for me, I'm not, I don't really have a concrete answer for that, my own understanding, because there, there's the idea, the, the um, concept of resistance. Um, and resistance to energy is, is you know, it, it doesn't discriminate. It just is there. So if you've got resistance to anything, you're going to prevent the flow of the energy through you, the flow of the right. molecules in your body, the healing molecules to work. So um, I'm, not really, I'm not really convinced um, that, that, you know, Resistance doesn't matter. Um, resistance as, as opposed me. to not knowing or just a, a general sense of receptiveness or not even knowing that you're res so resisting is a thing in itself, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, it's sort of separate. It's don't like if people, me. Right. if people pray for you, you don't know right. they're praying for you. That right. energy is real. That energy is healing energy. It's love right. energy. It's directed towards you. But if you've got resistance about loving yourself, um, then 
you're preventing energy from flowing in your body. You can receive that energy, but what your body does with it, I don't know. I don't know. That's it's a it's a fascinating area to like contemplate and explore. Does it lurk? <laughs> Does it hang around you? Around you. Linger, lingering <laughs> hope, you know, like in your in your in your etheric field. Yeah. Perhaps. You know, then, and then when you are receptive or not resisting, then it allows it in. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea. I like that 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 someone could benefit if they're not already. Eventually, you know. Eventually, I mean, it was yeah. given, and it can't. It's not as if free love or you know the gift of love or not unconditional. Mm -hmm. I would think that it would linger. You know mm -hmm. that love is always around us, so mm -hmm. it would it would like an angel would 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 hang around until we're we're receptive, right? You know, and then let not, it in, not pull it not pull away, right? Said, well, sort of like you know. sort of like Tom, what you've been for us. You're lingering around until we get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm older, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting. The wife, yes. I, well, okay, keep <laughs> lingering then. <laughs> One of the most patient men in the universe, right there. <laughs> so on to some of your recent thoughts, thinking, what do you do now as a person who's gone through this amazing enlightenment and now still here in day-to-day -day life? Yeah. Well, um, I have been, like we had talked about a little bit about this before, is this exploring the um the link between myself as i knew myself um in physical form in my near-death experience as particles and the fact that the the main mode of communication of information was through feeling and sight but focusing on the feeling aspect of it and emotions and how they're mitigated in the body and how that information is is physically transferred from one place to another in the body and how it affects our, our organs, um, how it affects our entire, our entire physical body. Um, I'm exploring that um, through reading uh, Molecules of Emotion by Candace Pert, who is a, a neuroscientist um, who discovered the opioid uh, receptor, which was a huge deal. Um, back in the early 70s. And then she went on to discover receptors for many other things, um, dopamine, serotonin, um, adrenaline, all of those, you know, just everything that, that, that helps to transfer molecules, information in our body. Um, she was a, a part of a lot of it. And so she started to make the connection that, you know, these receptors coming from the brain or these uh, ligands, they're called on the trans, the little molecules that transfer information to the rest of the body originate in the brain. So um, they help to, to basically create our health state. Um, so, and I'm just getting towards the end of, of her book and I'm doing some sort of offshoots, like little areas of research um, where I'm also reading about the etheric field and the layers of the etheric field that are proposed that human beings have, actually all living, all living creatures have um, and how that can be influenced um, and how it can reflect the state of health of the organism itself. Um, so that's, and I'm just like, kind of just sort of scratching the surface and just contemplating it all that along with, you know, ideas about, about physics and, in, in, in terms of, you know, what makes up the universe, what's the, the energy that makes up the universe. And we have dark, the idea of dark matter and dark energy and these two forces and that the fact that the universe is expanding. And I have this theory that, that love is one force and law of attraction is the other because those are the two forces real forces that i experienced in my near death and mm -hmm. um and that we um you know one informs the other um and yeah so it, it's again it, i'm just sort of reaching trying to to understand it 
in the context of my near death uh, and what I've experienced afterwards in my life as far as, you know, observing the fact that I'm a pretty powerful creator and, you know, we are all powerful creators. But speaking from my own experience, I'm, I'm a pretty powerful creator and, and, and I can create, um, I can create wonderful things um, to you know, to manifest in my life. And, um, and so one of those things is, is my husband. Um, and another right now is uh, the, there's a, a little character that that Ainsley, my husband and I are working with, my, that my daughter drew when she was 10 years old. And it's just of a little cartoon bug. And uh, we call him Buggy. And he's, he has some friends, Buggy Fly, Buggy Bee, and um, Lady Buggy. And they all have little red hearts on them. And they're about um, sharing loving kindness in the world. So we're gonna sort of take them and, and create a little buggy world where for children where um, they'll have storybooks and plush toys and t-shirts and things like that and um, and you know remind children of who they are and uh, that we're here to love each other and care for one another and, um, and be kind and uh, love our love our natural world um, so that's like another little thing that we he and I are getting a sort of side hustle we're calling it um, <laughs> we're working <laughs> yeah I lived in Boston uh, for three years as part of my journey and ran into a woman named Isabel Hickey who um, I think she was a near-death experiencer but she was a famous astrologer and so forth that she had a thing called the Friday night fix and uh, we would do meditation and healing and so forth and one of the things that she came up with was a, a term for the subconscious which was subby and she encouraged people to name their subby with a name like what what you've done <laughs> and so it just reminds me of that 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 little creature is a part of is an extern ex what is it, the word an extension, extension yeah. or a of yourself mm -hmm. you know and so it's a way of of identifying a part of you through an in a, through a little bug or an object that you can have a conversation with and that you can you know see yourself like a mirror mm -hmm. yes exactly yeah and, re and remind children specifically and adults too of, of who they are like what Richard mm -hmm. does with with his clowning and the joy that he brings and the laughter and and, and that's an you know I see when when you're in character that that's an extension of you for sure. In you even in a more pure form. <laughs> without, all, without all the crap that's normally hanging around me. <laughs> yeah. I would like to introduce to Krista that Tom Williams here, I, I call the original Santa Claus. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, I Santa see. Claus, right? I see it. I, I play Santa during the season, but he is. I'll say that. Yes. We all are. We all are Santa. Hey, Bruce, you've been quiet. And so, I, as we know, when Bruce talks, God listens. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I do. I do have a list, but I was going to say, um, I, I dare say children are can more easily remember than, than we adults can. Uh, but it's good to to nudge them to not forget as they're growing, mm -hmm. which which we we all tend to do. But uh, uh, one thing, I, one thought that I had, I heard you say something that I heard Tom say a lot as well, and that was that it was so difficult for him to explain what a near death experience was like because you cannot put it into words and you can't analyze it scientifically because it's not a repeatable thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking about when you said when you first came back, it was so difficult because you didn't feel supported. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I imagine it was so difficult for you to explain it to anybody 
that you knew what had happened and, and they would have had no concept of, of any kind of real appreciation for, for what you had gone through. And that's probably why. Um, and, you know, I, I do a bit of writing myself and, and so I'm really, I'm keen on words and, 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 and describing the indescribable is, is my ultimate goal, I think, <laughs> you know, with, with, with my life. But, uh, um, and also, uh, another thing that Tom said, that he thought the best form of communication was through the heart. And you talk about love and you talk about feelings and that feelings are what informed your, your experience and that sort of thing. And, and, and I'm hearing you say heart. You, you, you experience things through your heart. Yes. And, 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 and these guys have heard me say this. Um, I always, I always feel like there's, there's two extremes of the, of the spectrum on one extreme is fear. The other is love. Everything else, all the emotions fall in between those two things. And you're right. There's in this world that we live in, there's way too much on the fear end of, of the spectrum, way too much. Um, and that I also think that an and ego and greed all that stuff is on the fear end of the spectrum and that everything that spirit's about is love like you said you said that your near-death your near-death experience it was it all boiled down to love and that that's what that's what every guru i've ever heard talk about every religion i've ever heard talk about that's exactly what they're saying. It's all about love. And the more we can become more spiritual to raise our molecular vibrations, uh, to feel that love, you're feeling spirit, you're feeling at one moment mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. rest of the world. And that's the best thing that you can do mm -hmm. is to strive towards that. Like you said, compassion. Mm -hmm. that that to me that ought to be the goal for all of us mm -hmm. is is raising our level of compassion does that describe the structure you found to set your life to um, forgetting the exact words you used but you said it's like having an outline or a structure that you came upon that you can apply your life to apply to your life? Yeah, exactly. I, I was at a point um, about 10 years in where I was just miserable um, within myself, uh, despite having had this amazing experience and, and being, you know, and having, having the material things. Um, I didn't have, again, I didn't have the emotional support at home. And, and I was searching for for something to, to soothe me in my life. And I started meditating. And during my meditations, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily experience anything, but after a few weeks, I noticed that I was calmer and I was more centered and I was clearer and just how I felt. And then I started journaling after meditation and I wrote down, I would just write words that came to me and I compiled 12 words that I realized when I actually practice the, these, these words um, in my life that I feel more in alignment with who I was in my near death mm -hmm. and closer to myself. And so I call them 12 principles for daily living. And um, they're just, they're nothing that, they're not things that can necessarily be defined clearly and, and concisely, they need to be experienced. So it's, it's yeah. the experience of these 12 principles on a, on sort of a daily ongoing moment to moment basis, along with the overarching concept of, of being lovingly detached, mm -hmm. um, to people, places, things, um, and also understanding the power of my, my vibration, my, my own intention, um, the law of attraction, which was very, very active in my near-death experience, very present. So um, 
Yeah. I, I use those, those things as, as my, um, my, I use them as my guide in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's what helped to transform my life. Uh, would, right now, just to make sure, to let whoever may be watching this later know that those 12 aren't actually secret. You have no. them in your book. I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wrote them down. And, I, and I, it's funny because I, I wrote them in the book, I Died and Learned How to Live. And I, my, my focus was the principles because yeah. I felt like if I, if, I, if I don't know how to live in this world, having had an NDE, there's a lot of other people out there who also don't know how to live in, in this world as who they are. And so these can help other people. So I put a little bit about, I just ran through my NDE real quick at the beginning of the book. And then I have the principles and a little bit of a description about what they, what they are for me and how mm-hmm. I understand each of them. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's on Amazon. It, um, <laughs> and you have a great website too. You have a good, great Oh, website. thank you. Yeah. yeah the, my little blog that, yes. yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, thank you. In the time we have left, I'd love to take advantage of your intuitive intuition. If to just let that be. Mike, before we get into that, uh, I want to get into that. I'm looking forward to that. But I would like also to anybody watching this video, run it back to the point where the first time Krista said, I'm a pretty powerful creator and freeze it and look at the expression on her face. (laughs) There's absolute knowing it's not confidence. It's knowing, but from experience, the truth of that. And I want to say that's attainable for all of us. So thank you for that brief little, there was that little bit of sideways. you're letting in on a little secret here. I'm a pretty powerful <laughs> creator. You have seen it be. Thank you for that. Everyone needs to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maria Williamson, the biggest fear we have is not uh, what we're not bad. about how bad we are, but about how really how powerful we, we really can be. And, and a lot of what you said too, and listen to Abraham Hicks and a lot of manifestation and, and discussion there seems, you know, in, incredibly powerful. And, and I like how you portrayed that because as I am applying, I like the word, the principles. In fact, I, I teach people a lot with uh, Benjamin Franklin, the 13 virtues, just the power. And here's this simple yet amazing person who just, steadily and every evening spent time reviewing his 13 virtues and journaling on them too. And it just reminded me of that when you're saying it really powerful. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I'd love to just hear you just share is, is, is there thoughts? Is there things that, that you have a great sense of, of knowing and the intuition that would be relevant for here, whoever, or whatever, I just I'd love to open it up and knowing that that's your gift, have a chance to be able to share it. Oh, thank you. Wow. Um, I would say with, you know, living through the last um, year plus some months during uh, a pandemic, um, the tendency has been in the media, the popular media has been to angle um, the story towards fear. But what I'm seeing, which, and I don't watch the news by choice, is I do things based on how they, how I feel, you know, if there's something external there and, and um, I don't feel good when I watch the news. So I choose not to watch it. Um, but the, the media that I am in tune with, I have seen such profound, so many profound things on there in terms of people's growth. People now are, are, we're expanding. We're expanding as as um, spiritual beings here on this earth, and it's happening so fast. Um, it's all good. It's all ultimately good. 
um, while we can get bogged down in the minutia of little, you know, of day-to-day life and, and focus ourselves on, on the, on things being challenging, things being difficult, things being terrible, you know, however we want to describe it, ultimately really it's all good. And if we can choose to focus more on, on the good, then that will be our, our experience. And we string together moments of that and we have a wonderful life and we're here to experience joy. We're here to experience a, a vital body, you know, and, and have relationships with other people, loving relationships. We need that, the contrast of, of the challenges and, and ego and fear and all of that in order to gauge where we are in our spiritual growth, right? And because if we didn't have that, we wouldn't know where we are. Um, we'd all be love. So, so it's all purposeful and to see it as, a, as something that's a, a purposeful and a lesson and temporary state of being because you can always sh- shift into something that feels better, um, that is more of who you are in alignment with. Um, and you know, Abraham Hicks, you mentioned, one of the things that I've, I've heard um, Abraham Hicks say is that the degree to which you feel separate from or, or bad is the same degree that source is loving the heck out of you in that moment. So you are never alone. You're always connected no matter what you think, you know, so get out of here and get in here and, and live from here and your world will change for better. And the world will change. And the world, absolutely. <laughs> it's inevitable. That's all we have to do is, is be, yeah. is just be and be, you know, and, and intend happiness for ourselves. Yes. That's it. And then life is Amen. great. <laughs> we can say that the world is changing for the better. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah, amongst even all of what we see it very prevalent, the negative, the frustration, the ego, power, you know, it, it's, it's that essence I keep hearing, getting reminded of, it's still all in divine order. It's, yeah, oh, absolutely. It's in process, Again, right? It's, yep. it's by experiencing that contrast can actually help do us good. Yes, yes, right. be more of who we really are. And I like, I very much appreciate that, uh, you know, you're sharing that too, is, is I know that's how I've recently blog on the pandemic and, and the fact that it was this incredible silver lining, you know, is it, what we see is all of this pain and suffering really has been a catalyst for so much growth awareness for the first time the world together has seen it. We have all been exposed to, this and to be able to see things more clearly and that in itself will have an impetus, uh, a forward momentum to the positive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. I wanna be very respective of your time and I very much appreciate your joining us and sort of just going in a very ad lib mode here, Christine. I just, uh, I really can't can only say thank you. I know from the bottom of all of our hearts, yeah. the top and some like Tom's, but the bottom and <laughs> yes. But yes, it's a fun thank you group. so much. You guys are wonderful. This has been so so this has been the highlight of my my time here. Yeah, this is great. Thank well, you. Well, anytime you're welcome back. We'd the love to highlight of your time here doing this. Yeah. Or the highlight of your time since, you know, for the last 20 years. <laughs> well, it's all now. It's all now, Richard. It doesn't matter. It's happening simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> there is no time, right? It's all yeah. now. So. Sorry, right, got it, got it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, anytime, I'd love to... You know, I have a chance to, to hear from your husband, too. And it sounds like you have some fascinating conversations. And that's that's what I find I have such a longing for are these conversations. And that's why this group in large part exists. It's just, you know, I'm just not the superficial person anymore. And I 
have this thirst for these great conversations and and this is what boosts up me for for the next until the next week right so yeah yeah you. cool awesome thank That's you great. so much and it also an idea you maybe can start an ethereal dating service there too about <laughs> you connected you know with your husband <laughs> That's uh, the this, next book. The next is, book. Yes, it's it's not it, bugs anymore. It's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> that's moving like on. Me, I think the common denominator here is all of us. Here's four men, you know, and I can speak for myself. Is is you know, it would be nice to hear that kind of connection that you had is there because man i'll tell you i just do not go out and look for it it's not you know and, and to have happened so if, if you can start an ethereal dating service sign <laughs> we'll look into it <laughs> we'll see what's required <laughs> that'd be awesome any final words christy no just i love you guys and and yeah just keep doing what you're doing you're helping to expand us all Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, go ahead and close till next week's session. We usually hang on afterwards for our own little banter.